Let's begin with prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for your word, your direction, and the doctrine that it teaches of your grace and love. We pray that you would teach us and instruct us that we might know the good things you have given us, that we might know the way in which we ought to walk. We pray that you would help our minds to be attentive and understanding, uh, that we might understand your word and apply it to our hearts and to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> today, yes, the live stream's not working today, so yes, that's not open, but today we're going to be going to uh, the chapter we looked at last time, <clears throat> which is on religious worship and the Sabbath day. That's chapter 21. If you're following along in the hymnal, that is page 860. Last week, we covered uh, most of this chapter looking at the doctrine of religious worship, that we ought to worship God in the way he tells us to worship him, that we don't only not do the things he's forbidden, but that we only do the things that he's taught us to do uh, in his word uh, to worship him. We don't make up what's pleasing to him. We want to please him, and so we should do what he said is pleasing to him, uh, since that is the uh, purpose of worship, the direct uh, purpose of the worship of God. And worship is only to be given to the triune God. Um, Prayer is part of religious worship. Uh, there's a number of errors that you could, could deduce as errors from what is positively stated in uh, the confession. We should not pray to the saints. We should not pray for the dead. You know, don't pray for, for dead people. Don't pray to dead people. Um, but we should pray to God and only pray through the mediation of Jesus Christ who brings us to God. Um, why should we not pray to to the dead, in part because uh, it's religious worship and should be given to God, but also because we are simply not taught to do so in God's Word. We have no assurance that they can even hear our prayers or help us, but uh, we are given assurance in God's Word that God hears the cry of His people. Uh, He is attentive to us through Jesus Christ, receives our prayers, so we should pray with confidence and faith to Him. Uh, Other elements of worship are uh, the reading and preaching and hearing of God's Word, the singing of psalms with grace in the heart, the administration and worthy receiving of the sacraments, um, also occasional things like oaths and vows and fastings and thanksgivings upon special occasions. And we also looked at how there's both secret worship, you know, where it's just yourself, there's private or family worship, where you're worshiping in your homes uh, with, with others. And there is the, the public worship of God's people, the assemblies, um, which we should not carelessly or willfully neglect or forsake. God calls us by his word or providence uh, to worship him. Now, that does kind of give, uh, provokes the question of, when should we worship him, uh, particularly in these solemn assemblies? What time is set apart for the worship of God? 
And that's what we really get to in the last two paragraphs here uh, about the, the holy day, uh, the day uh, set apart to be kept as holy uh, in God's word. That regular, <clears throat> that time of regular public worship uh, that is appointed by his word. So let me go ahead and read the next paragraph, which is number seven in this chapter. Yes. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you have any questions about last week, that's fine. Um, so it says near the end of paragraph six, it says, Therefore, since the Lord has chosen to be holy, let us hold fast and that we should worship him more solemnly in the public assemblies, that it's particularly weighty in the worship of the public worship of God among his people. Versus yeah, versus uh, secret worship and, and family worship. Yeah. Um, that there's a particular weight to the, the called worship of, of God's people um, as the, the preaching of the word and the, the sacraments, of course, are unique to the public assembly. Um, God loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob from Psalm, I want to say, 87. Um, so th- they would use arguments like that um, for that particular solemnity of, of public worship. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the Corinthians passage also probably points out the, the need for greater reverence. The more people you have, you know, the, the, the more need there is to uh, be conscious of how your attitude might provoke more reverence in one another or, uh, or not. Of course, they, in, in Corinth, they were misusing the Lord's Supper by each one going on like it was his own private meal, not showing the, the reverence to a, a something sacred. So let me go ahead and read uh, paragraph 7 then. As it is the law of nature that in general a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God, so in his word by a positive moral and perpetual commandment binding all men in all ages, he hath particularly appointed one day and seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week, and from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which in Scripture is called the Lord's Day and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. Uh, In this article, it focuses on what and when the Sabbath day is. The next paragraph will focus on uh, how do we keep it holy. But first, you know, what is the Sabbath day? Uh, when is the Sabbath day? Uh, what are we talking about? <clears throat> the first thing is that the very law of nature prescribes that a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God. Worship of God takes time. Uh, you have to set aside some time for it. 
uh, you know, anything that you want to make a priority in your life, you're going to set apart time for it. And worship particularly uh, takes some effort to pull ourselves back and to focus on uh, God and to devote ourselves to that worship, uh, to uh, the, the means of grace he has appointed. Uh, and so it's but just that God uh, has particular time that's set apart for his worship. Uh, that would be a, a principle of the law of nature, uh, the, the law revealed in nature. And you could even point out that you know, societies in all ages across the world have uh, appointed holy days uh, for the worship of false gods or uh, uh, for their, their own idea of God. Uh, a reflection of the fact that God does deserve uh, time to be set apart for his worship. But if you'll look throughout the world, you know, the, the idea of one day in seven uh, is not so uh, clearly revealed in the law of nature. But we do find that in his word, uh, by a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment, uh, it is part of it's a creation ordinance that he appointed at the very beginning. <clears throat> it's not something temporary, uh, even if it's not um, clearly, as clearly revealed in the law of nature. But it is still a moral commandment, not a ceremonial law merely. Uh, it's a perpetual one. And it binds all men in all ages that this proportion, what is this due proportion of time that's set apart for the worship of God? Uh, that there be one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him. Uh, we find that when God created the world, he could have created the world in three days, he could have created the world in ten days, he could have created it in an instant. Uh, he created the, the world in six days and rested on the seventh day, uh, setting a pattern for mankind to work six days, uh, to rest one day, uh, and he, he also sanctified and blessed that day, not simply a day of rest, but also a sacred day, a holy day, to be kept holy to him. And so we find that in Genesis 2, verse 3, uh, was not appointed first in the law of Moses or in you know, the law at Sinai, but from the beginning there was a weekly holy day. It then again, though, is appointed in the Ten Commandments, which we saw is where the moral law is summarily comprehended, and that law of creation republished in the context of the covenant of grace. And uh, there as well, we find this, this duty to uh, keep and observe this Sabbath day uh, holy unto God. The Sabbath day was both a uh, day of holy rest and holy worship. There was certainly a stress on uh, not profaning it by work, but also, what is the purpose of rest? Why are we resting? It is also a day to be kept holy. And uh, what better way to keep it holy? You know, what does that mean? If it means anything, it at least means to worship, worship God. Even in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 23, verse 3, when it's describing the feasts of the Lord, uh, the first one that it gets to that regular weekly day is the Sabbath day, and it was to be a day of holy convocation, uh, to be observed in all your dwelling places. A lot of the feasts, they all had to go to Jerusalem maybe once a year, or you know, three of those every year that they would have to go to, but the Sabbath would be observed in your dwelling places, 
and in your dwelling places have a holy convocation, an assembly for the purpose of worship. And that's where the idea of the synagogue uh, would develop, even in the Old Testament, and then later carried on by the New Testament church. So as to be a day of worship. Now, in the Old Testament, from the beginning of the world to the time of Christ, what day of the week was kept as the Sabbath? The seventh day. That's right. And that's what it says here. That was the pattern of creation. Also, you know, Exodus mentions the example of creation. Uh, Deuteronomy mentions the example of the Exodus, um, that they were also, remember how God had set them free from bondage and gave them rest as part of the significance of the Sabbath day. Uh, And so that would also add some of the flavor of what's being remembered not only creation, but also redemption. Uh, but it was observed on the seventh day. Now, since the resurrection of Christ to the present, what day has been kept as the Sabbath day by Christians? The, the, the first day of the week. Yes, the first day of the week. Roman? What, Sunday? Yes, yeah, the day we call Sunday. Um, the first day of the week. And why do we observe it on the first day of the week? Did something really special happen on the first day of the week? Well, God did create everything on, you know, began his work of creation on the first day. What else happened on the first day? Ooh, very close. Just a few days off. Something really important. That's right. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead on, we might say, the third day after he died, but the first day of the week. And that began a a pattern uh, that would be followed by the church ever since. The New Testament describes the Sabbaths of the Old Covenant, that is, on the seventh day being abrogated. You know that Colossians 2 says, don't let anyone judge you in new moons or Sabbaths, um, the things that were particular to the Old Covenant. Uh, but the moral principle of the Sabbath day remained. There still need a certain amount of time to worship God and to observe this principle of one day in seven. And that was moved to the first day of the week as a new covenant observance in honor of the resurrection of Christ. You think of how there was the Passover, and that was re- referring to the old covenant. Um, but we have a, a new covenant, you know, uh, we might say a version of it, something that befits the clarity of the new covenant, which is the Lord's Supper. You know, it's, it's not in types and shadows anymore, but pointing particularly to Jesus Christ expressly. Uh, perhaps in a similar way, we might see uh, the, the old covenant Sabbath, especially pertaining to circumstances of the old covenant, now being moved to the first day of the week, explicitly pointing to the fulfillment of all the types and shadows, the one who rec- recreates things, Right? The one who rested from his labors by rising from the dead. Uh, The one who freed us from bondage by rising from the dead. And so we celebrated on the first day of the week. I think it would be enough if simply, let's say God left it open. You can celebrate the Sabbath on any day you want. Um, We would still all have to pick one day because the observances of the Sabbath day are corporate. They involve the worship of the church. 
So it wouldn't be like each person gets to pick his own Sabbath day. At the very least, the church would have to decide what day are we going to observe on the Sabbath day, and it has universally picked the first day of the week. But it hasn't just been left up to the church. It hasn't just been the church by tradition moved it to the first day of the week. It's a shift that was taught by the example of our Lord and then by his apostles recorded very purposefully in Scripture for our instruction. So, on that very first first day of the week, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, what did Jesus do after he rose from the dead? What did Jesus do on that day after he rose from the dead? Did he talk to anyone? Who did he talk to? His disciples, right? He talked to his disciples who were gathered together. There was even two of them he broke bread with. Remember that? He, he kind of preached. He explained the Old Testament about the things concerning himself. And then guess what happened the next first day of the week? A week later. Not quite yet. He didn't descend into heaven. Remember Thomas wasn't with them that first, first day of the week? There was the next... Sunday, and what happens then? Did Thomas see Jesus too? Yes, they were. Jesus Christ came to them. They were gathered again together on the first day of the week, and Jesus came to them and showed himself to them and taught them. Uh, and so we have this pattern repeated. Um, you know what happens? Oh, six or seven weeks after he rose from the dead on another first day of the week, about fifty days later. No, he went to heaven on a Thursday, but... He wasn't No, that was on his day of resurrection. Pentecost. Pentecost, right, right. Pentecost was on the first day of the week. He sent his spirit upon his gathered disciples who were worshiping him, um, and they preached and uh, observed that day. And so it's no surprise later on that in Acts 20, verse 7, even though Paul had been there for a week, it's on the first day of the week that they gathered to break bread, and he talked with them. Now, he had a very long sermon because he was going to be leaving and not seeing them for a while or again, um, and so he preached all night. But, you know, they gathered to, uh, to break bread and for preaching. And so this, this day of holy convocation, this Sabbath day, uh, began to be observed on the first day of the week. We see it in Corinthians as well. They gathered together as a church um, to have the Lord's Supper, to worship God. And we find in chapter 16 that it was on the first day of the week that they would lay up something aside for the saints. Um, the t- Revelation 1, verse 10, seems to describe this day as the Lord's day. Um, and so it's been known ever since. So any questions on when is the Sabbath day or what is the Sabbath day? Is it ever going to change from the first day of the week before Christ comes back? What? Is it ever going to change from being on the first day of the week until Christ comes back? No. Uh, yeah, to the end of the world. It'll be the first day of the week. All right, so let's look at Article 8 then. What should we do on this day? <clears throat> before I get there, um, I feel like sometimes the struggle is finding enough appropriate things to do on the Sabbath day. And then sometimes there's the problem of not having enough time to do the things that are appropriate for the Sabbath day. Do you all feel like you struggle with one or the other? 
is, do you feel like your Sabbath days are, are too crammed full of stuff and you just need more breathing room? Or, oh, I feel bored. I don't know what to do. What's appropriate? I'd like to do this, but I don't know what to do. It's appro- I don't know. I, I used to be more of the uh, I, trying to figure out things that were appropriate to do on the Sabbath day to kind of fill my time, if you will. Uh, of course, now I usually feel like the other way. Like, there's plenty of things to do on the Sabbath day, and it's nice to, you know, ha- have a break in the afternoon uh, in between things. But um, it's, whether it's one way or the other, realizing what's appropriate for the Lord's day, what's its purpose, well, how we ought to observe it, should help us to find uh, balance in that. Let's look at number eight. This Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord, when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy." Is it, the, is it the Lord's Hour? The Lord's Hour, is that the name of it? The Lord's Day, right? So that's the, the idea of the whole time. It's, we're talking about a day, not just the morning, not just you know a few hours you might treat as the Sabbath, uh, but the, the whole time. It's one day in seven. We get six to do all our work. God could have claimed three. He could have claimed four, but he, he only claimed one. Um, to be devoted to this purpose. The positive command is to keep it holy. The negative command is to not work. You know, and so how is it kept holy? First, prepare yourself ahead of time. Prepare your hearts. Prepare your affairs. You know, tie up the loose ends so that it's not all pressing in on you on the Sabbath. Remember when God sent manna to his people to, to train them, he gave them extra on the day before the Sabbath day told them to gather more on that day, and then to not gather any on the Sabbath day, uh, to to prepare them ahead of time. Uh, It's good to prepare ourselves as much as possible um, (coughs) uh, so that we are able to find rest and able to use the day best for its purposes. Also, Rest all day from your own works, words, and thoughts about your worldly employments and recreations. Uh, take a break. That might be hard in our day and age, right? <clears throat> Things just always are, continue to come at you. <clears throat> the technology never stops. The, the industry, the uh, economy, you know, just wants to keep on going, never give you a break. Um, but we're called to take a break. You know, if, if we were secular, we might call it you know, simply for the sake of self-care. <laughs> but uh, it is God who gives us this break uh, to refresh us and to remind us from week to week to reorient ourselves uh, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, uh, that that might be our aim in all of life. So we need to take a break. Rest all the day from these things, which might be lawful to do at other times, uh, but today is a special day. We should use the day, firstly, for deeds of piety, for the public and private exercises of the worship of God. We already saw all the texts about gathering together to worship God. That's an important duty. God calls us by His Word to worship Him together on this day, 
uh, unless perhaps uh, hindered by uh, necessity and providence, but that would be the exception. And we have a duty to worship God together in the congregation on this day, uh, but also to, to meditate, to worship privately, to worship in families. Um, public and private exercises of God's worship, reflecting upon his deeds. Psalm 92 is written as a song for the Sabbath. It talks about how good it is to meditate upon God's works, to sing his praises both morning and evening, you know, throughout the whole day. Also should be used for the deeds of necessity. So when Jesus was with his disciples, they needed something to eat. And so they were picking grain in the field while they were walking. And Jesus defended his disciples and himself uh, that this is an appropriate thing to do on the Sabbath day. Um, it, God wants mercy, not sacrifice. Um, the, it's not, he's not talking about deeds of mercy. He's talking about the Pharisees showing mercy to the disciples by letting them do the deeds of necessity. Uh, but there are deeds that are necessary, which are appropriate for the day. There's also deeds of mercy, like all the healings that Jesus did on the Sabbath day. Um, if you would show mercy to an animal that got caught, how much more to a man? It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. Even if you could heal the person the next day, it's not strictly necessary or urgent, but it's good day to show mercy to others. Uh, that as God has given you rest, to give rest to others. And so think, do your thoughts, words, and works on the Sabbath day aid piety, show mercy, or meet necessities that cannot be delayed? Now the command is for you, and it's for your household, and it's even for the stranger within your gates. Larger catechism describes how, you know, why is this directed especially to masters of families and other superiors? Well, partially because superiors tend to interfere with people's observance of the Sabbath day by giving them work to do. Oh, don't we see that quite a bit today, um, with, with businesses especially. But also, and uh, even a father in a household, you know, could make it easier or harder for people to observe the Sabbath day. But also that we should seek to be encouraging one another to be able to, to observe this together as, uh, as a people. So, rest in the Lord and give rest to others. Encourage them to worship the Lord. Uh, as we'll see on the front of our bulletin, you know, we, we want to ex- exhort one another. You know, come let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us uh, learn his ways and that we might walk in his paths. Let's go and seek the Lord together. All right, any questions about this lesson then? Yes. Right, right. Yes, it is. It's one of the feasts of the Lord, the one that continues. Uh, It's not a uh, day like the Day of Atonement was that's a day to afflict yourselves. It's a day of joy for the resurrection of Christ. Um, And so that that should pervade the way we observe the day. It's a day of of rest, a day of feasting, uh, a day of joy that we celebrate the victory of Christ um, there was actually even controversies in the early church against excessive asceticism that condemned anyone who would fast on the Lord's Day. You know, even those who 
promoted Lent, when I'm not going to promote Lent, but you know, even with those who did Lent, they would not count the Lord's days in Lent as part of Lent, you know, simply because this principle that it is um, a day of joy. I don't think it was a Lord's Day particular, but it was a holy day in Nehemiah where they read the law, the people feel convicted, uh, which is good, but then uh, Nehemiah says, you know, don't, don't weep. This is a day uh, of joy. Go and eat the fat and, and drink the wine. You know, this is a day to remember God's mercy and to give thanks to him. All right, well, let's go ahead and close in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Father, we thank you for your word and for the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ over sin and death in his resurrection from the dead. We pray that you would help us to remember each Sabbath uh, that's uh, of this victory, a uh, victory which we participate in through faith. Uh, We pray that you would uh, give us rest not only to our bodies, but also to our souls and to our minds, uh, that we might be freely devoted to you and offer ourselves uh, to your service as living sacrifices. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.